Hey, everybody. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Localpreneur Show. Uh, my name is Miles Veth. I'm the guest host today of the soon-to-be host, Josh Moran. So thank you so much for stopping by, Josh. Absolutely, man. It's kind of easy when you're on Zoom, right? Yeah, a lot easier. <laughs> 800 miles away. It feels like two feet. Uh, awesome. Yeah, this is, um, I know I'm interrupting you. You're the host, but I'm, I can't be, I could not be more excited about, um, you and I talk a lot and we talk on Zoom a lot, but this is different. Uh, we're recording this for a specific purpose and uh, I've wanted to start this thing here for a long, long time. And I appreciate you helping me get this off the ground. So man, I know you're the host, but I'll, I'll let, I'll let you lead here. Yeah. Well, that's a great first question. So I guess the, the first one I would have is for anyone who doesn't know you already, what, what's the executive summary on you? And, and you could answer that a lot of different ways. I just, how would you answer that question? Oh man. So that's actually funny. I guess I was thinking about this. I, I was thinking about this on the drive into the office and I don't, I guess it was because I was preparing to, to call you. Um, but, uh, you know, I, with a business partner, Jeff, we lead a digital marketing agency. We've, we've worked together on this for 10 years, over 10 years now, geez. And uh, before that, we were each in our own separate parts of the world doing the same thing, but, in, you know, differently. Um, and I was just driving into the office today thinking, uh, man, I, I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. And what we do on the surface is digital marketing. And I really like that, but I don't love that. What I really love doing, honestly, is, and this is going to sound so cheesy because you hear it all the time, but I guess you hear it because um, it, it must be true for some folks. I love helping people. I love that I get to come to work every day. And even, even though we're, we're remote now and everybody is, I've got you know team members in four different states now, we um, we're all on Zoom. I, I still come into work. I see them on Zoom or in Slack or on email, um, and we have our virtual town halls. And I, I love being able to come in and, and pour into their life, right? So we've got folks on our team from, you know, all ages. We've got, you know, young people just starting out. We've got some older folks. And every one of them are in a, their own unique seasons in life. And I find that it's easy as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a as a leader, as an owner of a company, to, to pour into their life and, and, and improve their experience, as well as you know, our clients. And one of the things early on I used to tell our team is since all of our clients are, are plumbers, electricians, HVAC companies, we're expanding into other local services like carpet cleaning, um, IT, you know, chiropractors. Um, early on, it was mostly plumbers. And I told them in our, in our, when we were meeting in the office, uh, in our town halls, I would say, you know, here's how many leads we got. We drove company-wide. This translates to this much revenue. And I'd give them that big number, not, not our revenue, but what our estimated, the estimated revenue of our clients. And it was this astronomical number. And I would say, I would always end it like, that's a lot of food and a lot of plumbers, babies, bellies. And everybody would laugh, but they knew what I meant is that, yeah, we're here driving traffic to websites. We're helping people tell their story on social. Uh, we're getting call boards lit up with, with qualified leads. But what we're really doing at the end of the day is we're helping that client of ours, the entrepreneur, grow his business and support his family, but also his employees, his team members, and, and, and growing and expanding theirs and their, their, you know, their lifestyle. And it's, it's funny, a lot of these plumbers, um, they don't make under six figures. It's crazy how much a plumber can make. And so being able to be a part of a process where 
I get to show up every day and contribute to my team and they contribute to our clients um, is just really impactful for me. And it's sort of, and I know, I know you, Miles, and you're, you're hosting this. And I know where you're going. Uh, it's the premise of this, this whole podcast that we're launching today. So I'll stop there and let you ask the next question. Yeah, so it's a layup. So why, why the local preneur show? You said you want to do it for a while. What are you hoping to accomplish? Yeah. Yeah. So first off, first off, I got to address the name. Localpreneur is a fake name. We made it up. It's, it's ridiculous. It sounds stupid. Um, any marketing guy might tell you that that's a bad name for something because it's hard to spell, hard to read, hard to remember, maybe even hard to say. But I don't care. It's, it's, it's the heart of what we want to um, showcase here. And so what I found is most of these um, local companies we work with, most of them in the home service industry, and everybody knows over the last 10 years how the home service industry has, has grown and it literally exploded. I mean, we have, we have big names like Google and Amazon involved in these, these spaces where they, they weren't before, no one was looking this way. In fact, we honestly, we thought we were the only agency you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, we thought we were the only agency in this space. I've learned since that we weren't back then, but you can't feel that way now. I mean, there's tons of agencies specializing in this. I think we're better, obviously, um, biased, but, you know, we, we started before the big home service boom. And um, uh, we, we got to meet some of these big players early on when they were small players. And we've, we've learned a lot from that process. One of the things that I've observed during over these years is how much of an impact those organizations make in their local community. They're all entrepreneurs. The ones that are successful and that are killing it and are making it happen every day are those who have that entrepreneurial spirit. And so we all know that there are business owners out there that don't have that entrepreneurial spirit. That's fine. They can, they can do them. They can do their thing. Um, but, you know, I, I know you're the same as me, Miles. We, we, we're not interested in maintaining status quo. We, we want to lean in. We want to grow. We want to challenge ourselves um, just, just because we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We have clients that are the same way. They have that entrepreneurial spirit, but they're not greedy. They're not selfish. They're very generous and kind and loving people. And so I see them pouring back into their community. So not only are, in my opinion, are they entrepreneurs, but they're localpreneurs. They're making things happen in their local community. And that happens in, in a number of ways. The first one is the obvious one, where they're taking their profits and they're giving back into the community through charity, whether it's overseas or local. It could be through their local helping hands. It could be Toys for Tots. It could be their own church or, or, or other, you know, their schools in their area. Uh, you name it. There's a long list that I've I've come across from our current clients and what they're doing. It, it 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 blows my mind the ideas they come up with, whether it's supporting vets or whatever it might be. They are taking their hard-earned money and putting it into their community, and it's making an impact and it's making a difference. But there's another area, the second one that goes a bit deeper, and um, I, I get excited about this because I think that you know that whole pay it forward. Uh, concept, you know, I believe that generosity begets generosity begets generosity. I think it spreads like a virus. <laughs> and today we understand how viruses spread, right? But uh, I think that generosity can be this virus that, that spreads. So this is why I get excited. The second area I see these guys making a difference is in their own team. Uh, 
And so they're giving folks on their team an opportunity that they might not have had otherwise. Um, you know, in our space, we deal with a lot of, uh, since we're in marketing, we deal with a lot of their marketing managers or their marketing team, even their interns from time to time are on calls. And I see the impact that's being made. And it, it, it's never, it, it doesn't surprise me anymore that there is a young person in their mid to early 20s that is now managing a, a $2 million budget. Um, now, you tell me where else that can happen in marketing. You get some young kid uh, goes to college, uh, they get a degree, they come out, they intern somewhere in an agency and they work their way up. It might be, they might be 30 years old before they're trusted with any, any oversight, any budget. Um, but these guys are, are given this opportunity of a lifetime to step in. And don't get me wrong, they're not just some kid off the street. They're really smart, intelligent people, right? And I already mentioned plumbers and, and the, the electricians and the HVAC um, techs. Um, the amount of money that they're able to earn, their in, the level of income they're able to earn in these, in these companies these days is, is mind-blowing. You know, I grew up, my dad is a contractor. And so I was around plumbers and electricians and they weren't the guys that were making a hundred grand a year um, unless they owned their own contracting service themselves. But those are the two areas that I see these um, local organizations making a huge impact. Uh, I just look at it as like they're reaching into their community and they're pulling up like this mountain of generosity and this mountain of opportunity where they're, they're impacting the people of the community through charity, but also their own team members by giving them opportunities they wouldn't have had elsewhere. And I believe that that then those people are going to grow up, you know, through their experience and go start their own businesses and do the same thing. Or they're going to, you know, treat their team, you know, become managers and leaders and treat those employees the same way. And it's just that's just going to spread. So the local preneur show is going to be um, this YouTube podcast where we're going to meet these folks. Uh, these owners and managers and operators of these organizations uh, to hear their stories. And uh, I, I've already reached out to a couple of them. They're excited to come on and talk about it. It's not because they want the pat on their back, because they really want to influence others to do the very same thing. So I already forgot your question, man. I got so yeah. carried away in my answer. You know, the best thing to do on an interview is you have to put the question back in the answer. And I didn't do that. So, hey, once you ask the question again, we'll start over. Yeah, no, you're great. So, so I think it's a great point that we, we work in a world that's virtual. So you mentioned you have employees in four states. I have employees, yeah. I think, in six states. Yeah. And we often start to think about whether it's involvement in church or business as this global thing. Like I have a neighbor down the street, but I would never think anything of them because I'm talking to you in Texas. Yeah. And almost yeah. like, and do you feel like part of what local preneurs are burdened by with their responsibility is recreating some community? Because it feels like in America, we're actually hurting because we're losing that because we're all living like this. Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. Uh, to add to your observation, man, I was talking with uh, uh, an organization that we're a part of here at Vitalstorm that uh, mentors at-risk youth. And they were taking a look at the impact. Um, and these guys happen to be in the, in, um, the, the faith space, right? This is a, a faith-based organization. So they're looking at the growth in that faith around the world. And they're seeing um, more results outside of the U.S. than they are in the U.S., which is, which is wild when you think about, you know, people believe that, 
you know, everyone in the U.S. goes to church. Well, we know that's not true, but that's the perception is that this is a, a Christian country and, and whatever, but um, where that religion is high on the list uh, in our value system. And although those things might be true, it's interesting that the impact is happening elsewhere. And I think, I think it's because a lot of times we take our focus off of our own backyard and we're thinking about, you know, those, those people who are hungry in other countries or uh, struggling through poverty or, um, you know, they don't have clean water or access to education, and, um, which is all true. And, and we do need to be uh, reaching out. You know, we are a very wealthy nation. And we need to be sharing that um, by reaching out and in sustainable ways to teach them and, and equip them and support them to, to, to you know, come out of those situations. Um, I think, though, in that process, we take our eye off of our own backyard. And you think about, you know, what, you know, the fatherlessness issue in the U.S. and how that impacts the schools. And, you know, we, we've been involved in, in public school system in, in various ways that I'm sure will come out on this show. But um, a lot of that has stems from just, you know, um, a home where there's one parent that is struggling to make ends meet. They may be working two jobs and the kids are watching themselves. Um, and, you know, there was a season of my life where both my parents worked and, you know, we let ourselves in the house. And every once in a while, I forgot my key. So I learned how to break into my house so I, you know, could not be sitting on the porch for a couple hours before mom gets home. Um, and, you know, that... that, that that was my own personal experience. And it was just for a brief period of time. Um, but a lot of children grow up that way. And so to your point, man, you know, we live in this virtual world, you know, you and I are 800 miles apart, but we're literally like four inches apart on this screen. Um, and, you know, we forget that maybe around the corner here from this office, uh, there's, there's something that could be done that needs to be done. Uh, and can make a huge impact. Um, Yes, yeah. coach, I, I think you're right. I, I love how I think Davo Swinney says the grass is greenest where you water it. Yeah. And it's just that idea of like, we can all think oh, I'd rather live there or this or, and I've seen with churches, I know you, uh, I'm excited to ask you the next question about church, but one of the challenges with American churches is they ship so much uh, money and resources overseas, which actually is inefficient for them to get on a plane and go to Jamaica to shake someone's hand for two seconds yeah. to then come back where that money would be much better used either just given or in their communities, which like you said, are declining faster than a lot of the countries we're trying to reach uh, from an evangelical population. So I want to dive into that. You obviously have built a really successful business. You've helped a lot of localpreneurs across the country uh, in income jobs, make a difference there. You're also got a pretty big ministry bend, which I think is even potentially more than vital storm community focus. So I'd love to just talk about a little bit of what you guys, you and your wife have done on the church side of things and kind of the vision and how that played out. Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about this. And um, I, we, my wife and I, I grew up in church. Um, she started going to church later in life. By the way, in my opinion, it's not about, it's not about church. It's, it's about the, the deeper aspects of that, which um, we could get into, and I might as well know you, and I know we could probably um, shift gears and take this conversation this way for another two hours, but we'll probably lose some folks. But, um, you know, my wife and I, short story, we, we were involved in, in um, the operations of a church when we met together in our youth group, and we started uh, volunteering and serving there. Uh, and that led us through, you know, a, a wild journey of, that took us all the way to Los Angeles, 
with another uh, group of people that, that mentored us. We loved them deeply and helped them with um, starting. Um, uh, they took over another church there and basically rebuilt the thing. And we were there with them to help that and learn so much from that. Then uh, we ended up having a child and realized that, you know, first of all, um, you know, we grew up in Texas and uh, we don't know the first thing about uh, raising a child in Los Angeles. Plus all of our family is two, 2000 miles away. And, and so we really started, you know, counting the cost and, and look, we, we prayed and asked and, and asked for help on making a decision of where should we really be putting our roots down? And we, we just felt called to come back home and uh, weren't quite sure why, but coming back home ended up starting this business and starting a, a church in um, 2011. Uh, and now it's 20, you know, 2021. We just recently closed the chapter on that church, which is a unique thing. Um, uh, people ask me what happened. I say, well, nothing happened. That's it's, there wasn't, there wasn't a, an event that said, Oh, we're, we've got to close this thing. It's not like going out of business. We just knew that that chapter of our life needed to be closed, just like, you know, leaving LA and now this, and, and it's just, it was a fascinating ride. I know there's more to come, but uh, we learned so much through planting and leading that church here in our local community. And we, we led that thing and ran that thing as a community-based church where um, it was, it wasn't, and, and most people are familiar with church in the U.S. and they, whether they're intimately familiar with it or they just know that church is a thing, everyone knows that church is a, happens on Sunday mornings, right? There's a, there's a service, there's an event. Um, what our focus was, let's not make that the most important thing we do. Yeah, we're going to gather on Sunday. We're going to hang out. We're going to learn together. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray together. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, you know, be together on Sunday, but that's not, that's not the heart and soul of who we are. Um, you know, if you believe in, if you go to church and you believe in God, then you understand, um, where Jesus fits in that. And you understand, uh, what it means to, to be a, a follower of Jesus and to be a disciple. And so that, that's something we really leaned into and really explored. And that led us out into our community. So we wanted to be known as the organization that is there at all the community events that's involved in the school that's involved in it. And so we weren't the biggest church in the community, but uh, you better believe everybody knew us. And, um, you know, as you're trying to grow something, you got to have a right perspective because sometimes you hear feedback and it can, it can frustrate you, but we had to really keep that in check because a lot of feedback we heard was, Oh, wow. You guys are at everything. We, we love the smiles on your face. Uh, you guys do such great work. If I didn't already go to church somewhere, I'd come to yours and we'd be like, well, great. Thanks for the uh, encouragement. But, you know, we had to keep that in perspective and know like, hey, we're making a difference. Uh, that allowed me to meet um, some amazing people locally and in Liberia, Africa, which we can get into if we have time. And um, so just being on the ground in a community uh, on a local church community level um, really gave me perspective. It changed how I led my led in my business at Vital Storm. And of course, Vital Storm changed and molded how I led in church. And for me, it was all one big thing. Um, I, I just, I, I, a double standard can't exist in my mind. So if we say it's about people, then it better be about people. It can't just be about people when I'm talking on Zoom. It can't just be about people on Sunday. It can't just be about people when I'm at work leading a town hall with my team. It really has to be about people, right? And if we say we're going to do something, we got to do it and we got to live that way all the time. I think sometimes I hold myself a little too accountable for that. And my wife's like, you, you're stressing out over this stuff. Like live a little, man, take a break. Mm -hmm. But 
um, I, that work in that, in, in the church, um, which, which is that chapter's closed. There'll, there'll be more chapters ahead, um, was a really profound time for us. And it, if we wouldn't have done that, which, and then followed those steps, I don't think we would be here, um, as an organization at vital storm. I just, I just don't believe it. Cause it just, man, it just, it got my attention and my eyes set in, in the right, in the right place. Yeah. No, and, and I guess th this is maybe a specific question, but as a, as a marketer, did that help you in ministry? Like, did you use a lot of what you understand about Google or Facebook or direct mail or things to grow the church or not? Was that more organic? So, yeah, I mean, you would think that there are some, you know, if, if I understand these marketing channels, I could go out and utilize those. And, and, and I, I, we did so. But what helped me the most wasn't that I understood Google ads or social media. It's that I understood that, you know, marketing is storytelling. Um, and so we're in marketing, we're going to use there's a lot of things we do in this industry, which is just capturing demand. But so we utilize those channels to capture that demand. But once we have their that demand um, captive, once we once we have that audience at, it, at their attention, we got to give them a story that's going to call them to action. And so uh, for us in this space, it's usually on a landing page or a web page. Um, but either way, you had to learn how to get in front of the right people and tell the right story. And so, uh, you know, in reaching people, whether it's through ministry, whether it's through business, whether it's through you, you name it, you got to be able to tell a story. So, yeah, I absolutely do think that that, that had something to do with it. I mean, that, that influence and that knowledge that I had was, was very beneficial. Yeah, no, it's, it's really cool to see the cross-pollination because that's, I think, part of what yeah. being a localpreneur that you're really trying to embody is, is both business and community focus in the same uh, vocational goal. Yeah. Um, now, I, I guess one question I would have for you is, so obviously a lot of entrepreneurs watch a bunch of Gary Vee videos and they decide they want to start a home service business and eventually take on Roto-Rooter, but today they're in <laughs> Dallas. Yeah. So being a localpreneur is kind of becoming a national localpreneur of having a lot of local hubs or um, and I know you, I think you do an amazing job of all my friends of having a lot of perspective and balance in how you approach life. Like you started a church and you built a business. You could have made more money building a business faster, but you felt like you should start a church, but you want to provide for your family. So you didn't put the burden of that on the church. Like you're very thoughtful. I'm curious how you set goals. Like for yeah. Vital Storm, are you, are you trying to be Gary V size in 30 years? Or are you trying to, and how do other local preneurs, like what advice would you have for a goal setting? You know, Miles, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I hate these questions. And it's because that question there, and it's because it's a great question. I just don't know how to answer it and feel confident that everyone hearing this answer goes, that's a terrible answer. And it's because um, just, I, I don't know if this is true for anyone else other than me in this whole universe. <laughs> But um, every time I've set a, a goal or New Year's resolution, I spent way too much time trying to figure out what that goal should be. And I end up not even getting to it uh, mm -hmm. or not getting to it in the same capacity or same way. You know, it, it might be just this um, curse of the perfectionist that, I, that my mom put in me. She's, my mom is an amazing interior decorator and she's, you know, she's perfect in all those areas and I, I grew up in that and learned that. And I think that's made me really effective in what I do, but it's also created this, this, this torment in me. And so one, 
one little simple thing is I struggle to take notes because um, I, I worry as I'm writing the note down, am I going to remember exactly what this is? I, I need to make sure, oh, let's erase that. Wait, I've got to write it down perfectly. And then I got to know like where I'm going to keep it. So sometimes I'll look around and I'll have like five notebooks. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. So I'll spend 30 minutes kind of get, well, I've gotten beyond that, right? That was me early on. And so um, setting goals, I was like, well, crap, what should the goal be? And, um, and then I just found that I was setting goals just to set goals. And uh, one day a light bulb went off. All right. And so this is the part that I hate because I feel like this is where everyone's going to tune out and say, oh, that does, I didn't read that about that in a book. So I'm not going to listen to Josh's advice. But I just learned that, um, you know, we live so much in the future. Don't get me wrong. We got to know where we're going. We got to see what's on the horizon. But, you know, life is between where you're at now and where you're looking on the horizon. And so don't forget about all the steps that you're gonna walk. So if I'm on this summit here, and I, as far as I can see is the next summit. Um, now that I'm 40, I know that once I get there, there'll be other summits to look for. And so um, I, I um, can catch myself just living from summit to summit, right? But knowing that I've gotta walk down this valley and through it and then up the other side to get there, that is where all the life is. And so sometimes I'll look, look back at my phone at pictures of my kids. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it makes me really sad to see those pictures of those kids being so young. It's because I know that it's not just because I know that, hey, they'll never be that baby again. Or my wife and I, our youngest is seven. So we'll never have another three-year-old in our life unless there's a, um, a mistake or something that we shouldn't happen or until we have grandkids, right? Um, and so that can be depressing, but what really gets me down is knowing like, oh, in that picture, in that moment, I was trying to leave that day, or I was trying to hurry out of the, you know, hurry out of the house to get to the office or, Hey, that baseball game, I was late to that game. I, yeah, I took the picture, but at the end of the game, I, I missed the whole game. And so I have a tendency to just focus on what's ahead and get there. And so I've had, I had to learn that I need to live through this valley. I need to live through this journey. I need to live as I go up the hill and down the hill. And so for me, sometimes setting goals pulls me way too out of that. And I lose the day to day. Now uh, there has to be a balance. Miles, I told you, I hate this question because I hate my answer. It's hard for me to, to articulate. So uh, hopefully you, you know, you can clean this up when I'm done. But if I, if I set a goal, I've got to make sure I keep the balance of knowing that I've got to, I've got to, you know, stop and smell the roses. I got to be a part of this day and the next day and the next day. And so sometimes, uh, again, I've, I'll mention it. I I'm 40 years old this year. I've, I've been able to look back and see like all the things that were accomplished, even without the goal being set and just learning from that experience and knowing that really the goal should be your mindset, having the right mindset, um, will allow you to filter every conversation, every experience, every situation in the right way that you can produce into something productive. So don't get me wrong. We got to have the goals, but um, I get very frustrated setting goals. And, and it's not always because they're not met. It's because I just, man, I just, I think I overcomplicate them. And so I've really worked hard over the last um, four or five years of my life of cleaning this up and having the right mindset so that um, I don't allow myself to get emotionally hijacked when something happens or 
um, you know, I, again, there's gotta be a balance. I, I know what I'm striving for, uh, but I also want to make sure I don't get carried away with that and live day to day. All right, man. Yeah. How was that? No, it's great. I, I think you've taught me probably more than anyone uh, <laughs> being a little further down the road, the importance of balance, because you see these people like Jeff Bezos that are launching themselves into space. But when you read about his yeah. family life or his marriage, or uh, I don't think it's particularly compelling and we can quantify that much easier than being a good dad. Yeah. But we just have to be careful. And I, I've noticed for me, a lot of my confidence as an entrepreneur comes from uh, growing. Yeah. Because I talk to people like, you grew this much. I'm like, yeah, isn't it awesome? And I started to realize this morning, I was talking to someone, I realized the goal is to have a business that at two employees is the most awesome business ever. Yeah. Because growth, if you think about growth, like, if it helps the employees and it helps the customers, great. But if yeah. it only helps the owner, like, is it really just ego? And I've noticed like that insatiable desire for more, 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 which is uh, kind of like Alexander the Great when he cried at the edge of the earth that he had no more to conquer. We all have a little bit of that dark part of our hearts. And it's very hard. I really admire about you all this to say, I know it's your interview, but I really admire about you that you haven't allowed that insatiable desire for more to be like, I'm 38 and I got to hear and no one gets to hear, like, I'm going to go crazy because I think that indulgence in self uh, and ego are just uh, terrible for the other parts of our life. So I just want to say, I admire you. Didn't mean to, to take the question. Oh, no, no, I appreciate it, man. I, I, I like what you added to it. You know, on, on the growth note, man, we all want to grow, but uh, I think everybody watching this understands that you got to have revenue goals so that you can have a roadmap and track your progress and go after those numbers. But at the end of the day, it's not about the revenue. I mean, you, you can have 10 million in revenue and break even or have 1% profit, or you can have 5 million in revenue and have 20% profit. I mean, at 5 million, you've got way less headaches. And with that profit margin, you, you're putting more money in your pocket. So, um, you know, I, I think we can get carried away with, with that growth number. Um, a lot of times, man, and, and I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes when I get hooked on a number, it's a pride thing. Like, yeah, it's about time we, we reach that number. And I want to be able to, to know and say that I've reached that number. But you got to keep it in check. And you got to know what the greater purpose is. Because at the end of the day, um, like they always say, if, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be you know, counting all the money in the bank. You're going to be thinking about all the things and seeing all the faces that, that mattered in your life. And you know, um, good for Bezos for going to the moon. I don't, I mean, not, not to the moon, but going into just uh, the edge yeah. of orbit. Maybe he'll go to the moon next, but uh, just, you know, going into space. I don't know much about his family life, but, um, you know, I, I hope that that is just as, um, he's accomplished just as much there as he has, you know, in, in space exploration. Good, good for him for that. But yeah, I, I, I got your point, point taken, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, and I can't, not, not my place to judge. I mean, I know there's probably a lot of fa not factual information as well uh, about any, any yeah. of those people, but um, yeah. And I'm like you, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but you know, I, I think, think, you know, we, we know what it's like in our lives to focus on our agenda and our personal business and, and where that takes us to our family. And we just want to be careful that we mm -hmm. don't, we don't make those mistakes. Yeah. All right. So, so last question, what, what's the best book for a local printer to read? If you could only, and say, excluding the Bible, I know you started church, uh, one other book 
Well, Localpreneur could read, if you could have them read it a hundred times, what's the one book? Oh man, I I don't, honestly, I, I wasn't prepared for that question. Um, there's, and this is my problem is I want to give you the perfect answer, Miles. Um, you know, there's a book that comes to mind. It's called When Helping Hurts and it changed my perspective. It's really long, um, but it changed my perspective on why people give and support charity or local organizations and why why they do that, what motivates them, but more importantly, why we should and how we should. And, and sometimes giving hurts. Um, you know, um, I mentioned earlier that, you know, we should be finding ways, sustainable ways to help people in, in those situations. And the sustainable part is key. And uh, that's what I love about, you know, being a part of a church, um, you know, you come across folks who are generous and like to give. Uh, I'll tell you the difference between some of the people I've met in the church world that are generous and like to give because they like to give and support and help and, you know, donate, whatever it might be. And then the entrepreneurs that do it is um, I'm thinking of, of a few of these guys that come to mind. They're very entrepreneurial, even in their generosity. Like, it's not like they're stingy and they want to say, Hey, I'm going to give you this. Um, but I'm not going to keep giving. It's, it's more of like, I'm going to give you this and I want you to be responsible with it because I have a limited amount of resources too, and I want to give those to as many folks as possible. So uh, I've seen them be even entrepreneurial in how they support um, a charity or a need. And uh, that book, when, uh, when Giving Hurts, is, is, is all about that um, because you can't, um, you can't squander the resources. Um, and we've all heard that whole, that, 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 that statement that you can, you know, teach a man you can feed a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. That's sort of the same thing. That book covers that premise. And uh, it also goes deeper into understanding like um, the needs in our world and how here in the US, you know, we don't, I know there's poverty in our country, but we don't, it's not prevalent. We don't see it like we do in other countries, but there, that's only financial poverty. There's other areas of poverty that we as people who might have wealth, whether it's it doesn't have to be financial wealth. It could be, I mean, I think I'd rather be happy my whole life than rich, right? And so that, to me, that's a wealth of joy that, uh, that I would much rather have. Um, and, and those of us who are wealthy in whatever area it might be, we should be pouring that out into others who have, um, you know, poverty in that area. So that book, When Helping Hurts, I'm going to read, I'm, I'm not going to regret um, recommending that, but I, once this is over, I'll regret that I didn't recommend some other book. Um, no, I, th I think it, but I love that answer because sometimes the best answers are not, you know, good to great or something. It's like, think about yeah. things from a different angle and being a localpreneur means caring about the local needs. And we often assume that if we make money and give it away, that that's what the world needs from us as entrepreneurs, but there's a lot more money than there are people who can effectively deploy it. Yeah. And you realize that, yeah, the problem. So if anyone wants to reach out to you for advice, for a job, to be a client of VitalStorm, is LinkedIn the best? Is is email easiest? Like, how do you normally ask people to reach you if you're on a podcast? I, I honestly think LinkedIn is going to be better. Um, it's just, I think you'll have better access getting to it and it won't get lost in a spam filter or something. Or um, God, I have the best assistant on the planet, but, um, you know, it, it's going to go through her and then through me. Um, so I think LinkedIn is going to be the absolute best place. Uh, so awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, starting this show. It was my privilege to be the guest interview today. And I look forward to listening to many more in the coming weeks. Absolutely. I, dude, I can't tell you how excited I am that we're doing this. And Miles, thank you for being here to launch this.